What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode 17 of Locked On Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. What you're about to listen to is the crossover episode I just did with Herb and Chris over at Locked On White Sox. It was a lot of fun. I like those guys a lot. Obviously, very passionate baseball guys, big White Sox fans. They interviewed me and we talked a little bit back and forth about the upcoming seasons for the White Sox and Tigers. Now, obviously, when these were recorded, uh, we didn't know about the potential eight-week uh, delay, maybe getting this thing started in July. I mean, who knows? It's a nightmare situation right now, but for the time being, go ahead and listen and enjoy this, and I'll be back here in a little bit to uh, wrap this thing up. All right, so Locked on Socks. This is like Flintstones meets the Jetsons. Locked on Socks meets Locked on Tigers. Chris Tannehill, Herb Lawrence, and we have the host of Locked on Tigers with us. Chris Castellani. Did I say that right? Yeah, you got it right, and this is, I guess, officially for me, this would be episode... 17 of Lockdown Tigers as well. Who's a number 17 for the Tigers <laughs> in history? Uh, let me think about this now. I want to say there was a great uh, pitcher who was uh, a 17 for the Tigers, but it's blanking on, I'm blanking on it now. Was I that feel... the bird? <laughs> bird Fidridge? I, uh, I don't think it was. No, it was uh, the great Denny McLean, the last, oh, yes, probably yes. the very last 30-game winner uh, in Major League history. Did it back in the magical season of 1968 when the Tigers uh, won a World Series with uh, him and Mickey Lolish and uh, Willie Horton. So, yeah, that's uh, that's very fitting, I guess. We just had our um, Lamar Hoyt episode, speaking of jailed pitchers. So uh, <laughs> this is our episode number 35, Frank Thomas. That's right. I got the button here. Number 35, Frank Thomas. There you go. That's the only one that we have Gene Honda's introduction for. But uh, we're talking Sox and Tigers here. And, you know, you mentioned the World Series. I don't think uh, it's in the cards for your Tigers this year. Uh, this is not going to be like a Royals episode where we have nothing but contempt. We actually don't have a lot of Tigers hatred in our hearts. Not at all. So it's tell us. How can you? Yeah, I know. So tell uh, us, what's what are you looking forward to as a Tigers uh, fan, someone who follows reports on the team from the Tigers this year? What, what are you looking forward to? Look, it's dark times, and what the one word that, that comes to mind is improvement. That's all you want to see at this point is to see this team take, I mean, it's hard to take a step back from where they were last year, but what, what you hope is that the young guys on the team can take a step forward. I think we're in a, a kind of a similar position Maybe not, uh, we might be even worse, probably, but to what your White Sox were in, probably around circa 2017, 2018, where it's it's not it's a team you know isn't going to be any good, but it does have some, f- some young, fresh talent in the farm system that's kind of marinating your hope, is that you'll see some of those guys come up at some point this season, and ideally, you know, some of the veterans, whether it be Miguel Cabrera, or, or or some of the, some of the other guys, Jordy Mercer, who who might who was struggling to make the team right now, or Jordan Zimmerman, some, Matt Boyd, some of these guys who have been around for a minute to to maybe make some sort of a little comeback. I think at this point right now, the best you can hope for for this team is to try to keep it under a hundred losses. And there are there is a three headed monster of some pretty legit minor league pitchers that at some point this year we're going to see in Casey Mize, Matt Manning, and Tariq Skubal. And, and the hope is by the time they get called up, we can start to see what will hopefully be the beginning of the next stage of Detroit Tigers baseball. And one of the reasons why we do not hate the Detroit Tigers, which we should because they used to kick the White Sox ass all the time and that fighting what, in 2000. 2000 yeah, I that, was there. Yeah, That hurt. But it's Miguel Cabrera. 
he's not only one of the best hitters of all time, he's one of the best players as far as humor and having fun during the game. How is it, uh, we were discussing this like maybe a couple episodes ago, how is it that Detroit fans treat Miguel Cabrera knowing that he's on the backside of his career making a lot of money for that team that's going nowhere? Well, the the contract doesn't frustrate it, the only the in terms of frustration, the contract has nothing to do with Miggy. You know, Detroit in general, they love Cabrera. He has done more for this organization than probably any other baseball player in the last 25-30 years. Now, when you look at a triple crown, two MVPs, probably the premier hitter in baseball for at least a decade. I mean, he's incredible. Uh, there is a bittersweet feeling because uh, they signed him to this unbelievable extension. They're going to be paying him into his 40s. And last season, he, he had a he had a zero war exactly. The year before, he missed a majority of it the, with injuries. And the year before that, he had his worst season ever. So it, it's, I would say, there's a lot of disappointing, sad things in Detroit right now in terms of this baseball team. And one of the saddest ones has been the, the steady, slow decline of Miguel Cabrera going from a guy who was Goliath for a long time to just being kind of a middle-of-the-road hitter. Now, there is a little bit of hope in spring training, at least what we saw this year. We saw much more slim-down Miguel Cabrera. He was homering a bit, took uh, took Garrett Cole deep in a spring training game, which is a, a, pretty, a pretty nice sign. But he is, right now, the final remnant of of what was once a, a really proud era of Detroit Tigers baseball. I mean, all those guys, whether it be Scherzer, Porcello, Verlander, Anibal Sanchez, Peralta, Victor Martinez, all those guys are gone. The only guy that remains from that era is Miguel Cabrera, and, and the fans love him. We we, we, we appreciate him a ton. He's going to be, if he retired even last year, would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, but it is disappointing the fact that he's he's currently put on a team that is uh, not projected to go anywhere probably for at least another two, three years. As White Sox fans, we always sort of admired the the Detroit Tigers philosophy, of course, with, with Dombrowski, uh, you know, manning the ship there for a number of years. And of course, right. uh, Mike, the late Mike Illich always having the pocketbook open, ready to make any additions at a moment's notice. And it's one of those things where uh, us looking on the outside, looking in, you look at that type of ownership and it's like, you know, if Jerry Reinsdorf really was all in 100% committed, that's what the Detroit Tigers would be. And our analogy that we always make, like, you know, well, maybe Jerry Reinsdorf will go full Mike Illich this offseason and really commit to <laughs> right. to having a decent payroll. But, you know, we, we always respected the way the Tigers handled their business over the last decade or so. What, what are your overall like memories or thoughts about how this last you know 10 years or so of the tigers like we can even go 15 because they were in, you know world series in 06 you could start there if you'd like you got our guy maglior donias yes yeah, we talked about right. him last episode i think or a couple episodes ago in 30 but what are your overall reflections on on the tigers like sort of like you know obviously this chapter of tigers baseball is, is closing a bit so what is your reactions do you have any regrets you know what what, what do you think of when you think of tigers baseball the last 15 years well, it's a lot of great memories and a lot of great moments. You know, from I would say 06 to even really 2016, I feel like was the last year where the window officially closed. That was 2017 was when they really kind of hit the reset button. A lot of great memories and one of the I would say the greatest cores ever assembled. You had two Cy Young winners in the primes of their careers in, in Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. You had uh, Rick Porcello who was for that team, a fifth starter 
who turned out to be a Cy Young winner. You had Doug Fister pitching some of his best baseball at the time. Anibal Sanchez winning an ERA title. I mean, it is a, a lot of great memories and a lot of great moments at Comerica Park. It was, in terms of games won, the best 10-year period in the history of the Detroit Tigers. But there is, at the end of that, at the end of that line, a very bitter, tough pill to swallow, and that is that this organization, they never won the big one. And the perfect analogy right now, I think we're already seeing it in baseball currently, is what the Los Angeles Dodgers are doing. I mean, that that's another organization similar to the Tigers that did a whole lot of things right. They made good signings and free agency for a long time. They, they developed some guys fairly well, though for the most part they developed through free agency. You won a ton of games. You won four straight division titles from 2011 to 2014 in Detroit. And yet there's that glaring omission of a pretty empty trophy case outside of two American League Central Pen or I'm sorry, American League pennants. Uh, and it's it's extremely more disappointing because you look at really the last 16 years, the White Sox won one in 05. The, the Indians came within, you know, a one or two plays of winning one in 2016. The Royals had a really short window where they won a world championship. And yet somehow the Tigers, who did a whole lot of things right for about a 10-year stretch, were never able to win one. It was a wonderful period, a lucrative period, a, a, a lot of moments that I continually go back on YouTube and I'll search out and watch and, and remember exactly where I was when they happened. But it's a very bittersweet pill knowing that that core, which was as talented as any that we've seen in the major leagues probably since the late 90s, early 2000s Yankees, was not able to to fully get over the hump and win at least one world championship. And, and that will always hurt until the day comes when they are able to get over the hump and finally win one. The thing I have uh, that's a problem is... Al Avila trading Justin Verlander for now. I mean, at the time, I thought it was you know, Adaz Cameron and Franklin Perez and Jake Rogers. I was like, it's pennies on the dollar for what Justin Verlander is. And now I don't know what those players are. Are they on the horizon? Is that trade uh, seem as a failure in Detroit? Or is it seem as, well, these guys are coming. So be patient. Uh, currently, it's a colossal failure. And in a way... It kind of always will be because even though that Astros championship is is tainted with the 2017 you know cheating scandal, uh, Justin Verlander got traded to the Astros with one intention from Houston. That was to win a World Championship. He did that. So in a way, there's no way the Tigers were going to win that trade because the Astros did exactly what they set out to do. With from the Tigers' perspective, you get three guys: Franklin Perez, who was a top 50 prospect in all of baseball, I believe even top 30, Daz Cameron, who was a first-round pick, and Jake Rogers, who was believed to be the catcher of the future, they ha- they are yet to definitively hit on any of those guys. And you're talking about Justin Verlander, the best pitcher in the history of that organization. I mean, it's between him and Mickey Lolich, but that was such a different a- era. You're talking about a first ballot Hall of Famer, a world champion, now a two-time Cy Young winner, an MVP, and it's been close to three years since that trade was made. And... Jake Rogers got called up last year, struggled a bit. I'm not going to count him out. I think that he still offers a lot, has, you know, calls a great game, throws a lot of guys out on the base paths. Daz Cameron had a bad year in AAA last year. Franklin Perez has pitched 27 innings since he's come to Detroit, which is 
a worse disaster than any fan could have possibly predicted. And uh, this is where you see a lot of fans getting really impatient. I mean, it's and on, if it was just that deal isolated, it wouldn't be as terrible. But they traded J.D. Martinez, who was a rental, but J.D. Martinez, one of the best hitters in baseball, for essentially nothing. They traded Justin Upton, which was a salary dump at the time for a guy who's now since retired from baseball. Uh, you you traded Ian Kinsler for nothing. The, you traded Yoannis Cespedes for Michael Falmer, who's since blown out his arm, and who knows when he's going to come back. I mean, there has been all-star, Hall of Fame caliber players that have been traded from this team for next to nothing, and I think it's it's the biggest reason why last year and the last couple years have been such a disaster. They just haven't hit on any of these deals, and while the farm system has steadily improved, they're yet to have a trade kind of to bring it back around to the White Sox. They're yet to have a a uh, Chris Sale deal for, for Yohan Moncada. They're yet to have a Adam Eaton for Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez type of deal. And, and, and until they have one of those, the skepticism regarding this fan base is going to be at an all-time high, and I can't say I blame them. God, that is that is frustrating to hear about because, you know, we've got our problems here and, you know, the, the re, going through a rebuild has been tough, especially, you know, the rebuild didn't just start in 2016 for us. It seems like it's been going on the past 12 right. years. They were, not they were middling for a long time. You know, they were kind of twiddling their thumbs for years. Do you hate stepping on the scale? Now, maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. A company called Withings produced the world's first smart scale, and they are still the best. In fact... Tom's Guide rated Withings Body Plus the best overall smart scale in 2020. If you are looking to lose weight, willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. Withings smart scales are known for durability and an exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every weigh-in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have the Wi-Fi option, and it means you need to have your phone on you. But Withings Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users and even know who is who. So here's the deal. You can get 25% off a Withings Body Plus right now at Withings.com for a limited time. Go to withings.com, W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S.com backslash MLB to get 25% off body plus body composition scale. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S.com backslash MLB to get 25% off body plus body composition scale. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's often the worst part being being stuck in the middle and not making a decision one way or another. So if you had to take a guess on when the next year uh, the, the Tigers will be, you know, in contention again, what would your best guess be? Look, after this season is going to be it was kind of what they circled and it had leaked to the media was going to be when they were finally going to start to spend because as bad of a job as Avila has done, I think. To a certain extent, a lot of it I can't blame him for because I think ownership has not given him free reign to spend. No GM for a big market team ends their off or starts their offseason, and no disrespect to the players I'm about to name, but it's just a fact. No GM ends or be, starts their offseason by saying, I can't wait to go out and sign Leonis Martin. I can't wait to go out and sign Ivan Nova. 
I can't wait to go out and sign Austin Roman. Hey, Those hey, are now, bar- Ivan Nova was a stud for us last year. <laughs> Actually, you know what? We're, we're like, I'm half kidding about that one, but that's a guy that took the ball every fifth day. Then you'd be like, oh, this guy's, you know, he's 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 putting in work out there. He's like, you know, he's he's not going to miss starts because you know he doesn't feel like it. But the biggest thing about Ivan Nova, I, I was talking during the season to White Sox color analyst Darren Jackson, and he was telling me that you know during the year Ivan Nova was the first guy to make everyone sort of go out to the bullpen and watch other right. guys throw their bullpen sessions as like a team unifying you know exercise so you know Ivan Nova on paper might not look like a lot that's certainly what we thought when he came to the White Sox but that's one of those moves that can sort of like kind of adjust or, or change the culture on the fly so I, I will say that about Ivan Nova. I'm sure he's going to do good things for the young pitchers in the clubhouse and signed as a fourth or fifth starter who's going to give you innings. Very capable. The Tigers are under the assumption he's going to be a number three guy for them, and he's not. I mean, so, he was and, a number two I, guy for us. <laughs> right, he said, right. Well, but still, but you guys have reinforcements right now because you got Giolito, who had an awesome year last year. You have Kopech, who's coming back from injury. You have Ronaldo Lopez, who I, I still believe if he can develop a third pitch and, and keeps limit some of the hard contact can still be a pretty solid major league pitcher. But, you know, the point I'm trying to make is that I think he hasn't been given a blank check to necessarily, which in this day and age of big market baseball, with the exception of the 2015 Royals, you're not going to win many championships if you're not being able to go out and sign some of these big free agents. So I think that's been, uh, I I can't necessarily blame him for that, but in terms of when they're going to contend again, they kind of said after this year is when they believe they're going to go out and start signing guys. Because by then some of these young pitchers will be called up. And I think that's going to be when the jury will officially, uh, you know, come out and, and, you know, be out on Alavila. If he can make some moves after this season and, you know, obviously the golden goose of this whole thing with this next upcoming free agent cycle will be Mookie Betts. You know, you, you want to ideally try to make a run at a guy like that. But you look at the perfect comparison is when the Tigers back in 03 lost 119 games. Uh, a, in that offseason, they signed Pudge Rodriguez and they traded for Carlos Guillen and they got Placido Polanco, three guys who were key pieces of that American League pennant winning team in 2006. Right now, Tigers fans are looking to see who's going to be that Pudge Rodriguez, who's going to be the Carlos Guillen, who's going to be the Polanco of this de- of this current rebuild. And the fact that we're several years into this rebuild and, we're, and they're yet to find that guy outside of a couple really good minor league pitching prospects, it's become incredibly frustrating. So I would say realistically, probably 2022, I would say would be the year when you could possibly say they could, with the right moves, have a team that could be in contention for a wild card spot. So how come they didn't move Matthew Boyd at the deadline? That was a guy, I know he didn't have a great season on paper, but you know he pitched a gem of a game against the White Sox during the season. I remember looking at him like, man, that would be oh, yeah. a great player to acquire. Like That could be someone that sort of you know accelerates the rebuild a little bit. Why did they hang on to him? Well, that's a phenomenal question, man. And I was pulling my hair out thinking about it because Matt Boyd, is you know I like the guy a lot. I think he's a very good clubhouse presence. He's a very charitable guy, nice guy, good interview, offers a lot to your baseball team. But Matt Boyd is not a one. Matt Boyd is not a Kershaw. Matt Boyd is not a Chris Sale. Matt Boyd is an innings eater, and he had a great first half last year. Struck out a lot of guys. I mean, 200-plus strikeouts as a lefty is is really phenomenal. And he does offer a lot to a team. But that his most appealing, the reason why, he, part of the reason why he was such an appealing uh, trade prospect piece 
or trade piece was the fact that that contract was was very very appealing. You know, several years of team control. A perfect comparison, honestly, bringing it back to the White Sox would be Jose Quintana. Thanks, Cubs. Probably didn't have the pedigree that Quintana had when he was traded in 2017, but in terms of team control, a lucrative uh, contract for a team that to deal with an innings eater, it was a very similar deal. Now, the White Sox were able to pull that string, get some really good pieces, get Eloy Jimenez back in that deal, who had a solid rookie year a season ago. I think Al Avila, and there's been whispers that have come out about how teams have had difficulty dealing with the Tigers in uh, trade talks because they're simply asking for too much. I mean, they were trying to trade Shane Green for for Carter Kaiboom to the Nationals last year, and the Nationals hung up the phone. And, and the Tigers ended up getting a few, you know, pretty average prospects back for for Shane Green at the at the deadline. So uh, that was a really good question. There is the possibility, Boyd thus far, and I mean, who knows when the season is going to start at this point? But Boyd thus far had had a really good spring training. Uh, there is the possibility that they end up lucking out. He pitches the best baseball of his career and they're able to move him again. But I, don't, I, I think you're really pressing your luck when you take a guy in Matt Boyd who really, thus far in his career, I think he's got like a 4.55 ERA. You know, the best base, baseball he pitched in his whole career was in the first 10, 15 starts a year ago. I think you're really pressing your luck by saying, we're going to hold on to this guy and hope that his trade value can increase a year from now. I, I think you're 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 running the risk of something really bad blowing up in your face. Now, I hope that isn't the case, but I was uh, I was very frustrated when they didn't make a move to trade him last year. I really was. Last thing I got for you, Chris, and we appreciate you joining us on the Tigers side of this, is Chris Illich. Tanny, did you know he went to Cranbrook? No. Well, that's a private school. It is. Thank you, Chris. Um, yes. He is the owner of the Detroit Tigers now, so does he have deep pockets like his father? You say... In 2022, that's probably the year you would circle. Maybe in these Mookie bets, um, sweepstakes. Hopefully not, because I'm gonna be so mad at the Tiger sign Mookie bets. Oh, I'll be furious, <laughs> furious. I'm like, I know that Mike Illich and the Illich family, you know, the, the the pizza and pizza pizza and Little Caesars have a lot more money than Jerry Reinsdorf. But is he like his father, willing to spend to have a champion on the field? Dude, it's. That is a question that Tigers fans for the last three years have been trying to have been trying to answer. And you want to look? Inter- do they have the money? One hundred percent. They'll make more money this week than I'll probably make in my lifetime. So that's that's not an argument right now. I mean, they're they're gonna have the money. Will they be willing to spend it? That's where we're unsure. Because Mike Illich was as competitive a guy as you're gonna see. Mike Illich spent a whole lot of money developing not just a great business, but a really good baseball team. Uh, a ho- hockey was his side project, and they won three Stanley Cups. So it, it's it's going to be uh, four, actually. So do they have the money to spend. I What you want, ideally, a, with an owner is a guy who cares. You want a guy who who has his finger on the pulse of the city and on the pulse of the fan base. I think these next couple years are going to be telling. And if it turns out that Chris Illich just doesn't have his heart in it to be able to dish out the cash to go out and sign some of these free agents and build the way that, that his dad did, then you're going to see a lot more people in this city, a city that is already, I mean, on their knees begging for just a competitive sports team right now. Uh, we're going to see a lot of people banging the doors down begging for him to sell the team and and 
as cliche of an answer as it is, it's one of those things where only time will tell. No one really knows exactly what the plan is, and I think it makes things a lot more frustrating for a fan base that has, I think, for the most part over these last couple of years, been pretty patient. I think, you know, I speak for everyone that's fans of baseball. It's like when you're rivals, when there's a rivalry, you know, something to feed that rivalry, when the Tigers are good, when the Royals are good, when everyone in the Central is doing good, it's it's a lot of fun to watch, man. It's, you know, over the years, just watching the Tigers and going to Tigers games and Michigan people, they're some of the best people in the whole world. Like, you know, even during the lean years for the White Sox, we'd go up there and catch a Sox-Tigers game. And, you know, th- those, those people there, they just, they just wanted to have a good time. And they were like, oh, well, we hope your team better as they're you know kicking our team's ass but we did go there one year and you know Detroit fans you know at least back in in 2010 2011 for the most part pretty agreeable because the team was competitive except the one guy they did boo when we were there was Ryan Rayburn <laughs> I we couldn't oh, understand man. it Ryan Rayburn oh, no, wore I, can ex- the socks I can explain out. that to you. I can explain that to you because it was you know the year they signed Prince Fielder you know after the 2011 season they had a they had a void at second base they absolutely did now, uh, Rayburn, who had been a utility guy and a pretty darn good one, you know, was gonna had ten to twenty home run power. Uh, he started at second base for that 2012 team, and uh, was an absolute disaster. I mean, he was he was he was, I mean, down pretty much garbage, and not a bad player. And that team got off to a really bad start, and for some reason, a majority of the hatred was heaped onto him because he had a lineup made of made up of Miggy and Delmon Young and and Prince Fielder and Austin Jackson, you know, some really good hitters. And then you get to Ryan Rayburn, who and part of it was Leland was putting him like pretty high in the lineup. He was batting like second somewhere between second and sixth through a majority of the twenty twelve season. And then finally when his OPS was I think under about six hundred they pulled the plug and they traded for Omar Infante. So I feel bad for the guy because he was actually a pretty solid ball player here. But yeah, he got he got a pretty solid thrashing in uh, that that first part of the 2012 season, and and we honestly went elsewhere and had a pretty solid stint with the Indians and with the Rockies as well. wasn't a bad player, just uh, wasn't an everyday starter with the Tigers. Yeah, just for us White Sox fans, I know people listening right now who are Sox fans like. Why would people hate Ryan Rayburn? He's one of the best hitters of all time. Literally, every time he would play the White Sox, he would do something great. Like, goddamn. Late inning home run off a great pitcher. You know, I think he killed Chris Sale. You know, any anyone that was, a, you know, hard-throwing lefty, he'd get up there and, you know, he'd have their match for him. And, you know, but, yeah, I, we uh, we appreciated uh, you having us on, and uh, we enjoy talking to you, Chris. And, and you know, we, we love your ballpark up there, and I think we'll be up there. Uh, definitely, if not this year, with everything going on uh, recently, I don't, I don't know if our schedules will allow it with the truncated right. season and all. What, uh, what are you going to be doing, sort of, to to keep busy until baseball starts? Uh, probably watching a lot of movies and watching a lot of old highlights. I, I mean, that's that's kind of way the way that I think a lot of people are going right now. I mean, a lot. Uh, my local uh, TV station here in Michigan was was re airing old March Madness uh, games right now, and I think that's where a lot of people are at. It's a very it's a time unlike any other that I've experienced in my lifetime, and it's it's really sad and really frustrating. Now, I will say for you guys, because I haven't really talked about this much, over the last couple of years, I've been gushing about the way you guys have, the White Sox have rebuilt their system. And I think, uh, you know, maybe in, in the spirit of things, when you are a fan, maybe it's it's kind of hard to take a full step back, but I, I genuinely believe, 
if someone were to were to put a gun to my head and say, tell me one team that's going to win a World Series in the next five years, honestly, I would say the White Sox. I think you guys have really something incredibly special with the way you've built up your farm system, and it's part of the reason why I think a lot of Tigers fans have been so frustrated because as good as I think this team could be in the next two to three years, I think we're going to probably be looking up at the team in the south side of Chicago, to be completely honest with you. So I look forward to hopefully what will be a competitive rivalry. It'll always be a rivalry. Who knows how competitive it will be with you guys, and uh, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. No problem. We hate the—well, I'll speak for myself— I hate the Royals and the Twins 100%. I do too. I hate the Royals. Well, I just want to walk a time plan. If and when, knock on wood, we finally win a World Series, I, I'm guessing that will probably change, and I hope the day comes when that when – that, I hope the day comes when you can hate us. I really do. I mean, I'm, I'm, like I said, you guys had a lot of success. We should hate you more. Yeah. The I, fight we had in 2000 was a thing that I still hate Robert Fick for. If I see him, it's on site. <laughs> it is on site. I hate Robert Fick. I can't hate the Tigers. I remember one of my opening day memories of things I'll never forget was a few years back, the Sox were playing the Tigers opening day, and they delayed the start of the game and you know you're sitting out in the bleachers wondering what's going on but Miguel Cabrera is out there and he doesn't like the way the batter's boxes are, are painted oh, in yes. so they had I to bring the that. sod father out to, to repaint the batter's boxes and that was like one of the reasons why I love Miguel Cabrera <laughs> yeah and right, also no, we should hate him more when we christened open that damn Paul Park we're still in right now I think it was what 16 to 1 yeah, ass whooping yeah. for the Tigers. Yeah. Jack Morris did I, I was there, things yeah. versus the damn White Sox all the time. Rob Deere and the boys. I mean, yes, we should hate you, but I'm telling you that Miguel Cabrera thing changed a lot of things. And we for, hated Victor Martinez because oh, he Jesus would kill Christ, us. What a dick! And I love watching him. He's, I love watching him play. But you know, he's another guy that he hit another home run off of Chris Sale right now. <laughs> yeah, him and Sale, him and Sale hated each other, man. And he owned him. He just did. Sale struck out everybody. Victor had like a like a. It was all. It was an insane. Like almost 600 OBP against him or something. Something like that. The only guy that was comparable, weirdly enough, for Victor Martinez's first sale was Adam Rosales. He wore <laughs> sale out too. He had like was he really? Wow, that's funny. In his like twelve at bats. <laughs> but yeah, that's I just funny. looked up the Rand Rayburn uh, home uh, career home runs. Uh, let's see, he had fifty-seven career home runs, <laughs> twenty versus the White Sox. Wow, I think. Are you serious? Really? Was it? I'm, right. I'm trying to look and make sure I got that right, but I know he had 20 versus the White Sox in his career. He used, he wore us out. It was just like no 93 home runs, 20 versus the White Sox. Okay, still it's that's still that's still a solid percentage. I mean that's over 20 percent. God Ryan Rayburn. But yeah, so that's pretty much gonna do it for Locked On Sox and Locked On Tigers. We appreciate yes, yes, thank you. We appreciate Chris Castellani coming on with us. So that about wraps up the crossover episode with Lockdown White Sox. Again, thank you to those guys for uh, agreeing to this crossover. I know this wasn't mandatory. I didn't know that at the time. But even so, I had a lot of fun with them. So you can follow them on their social media platforms as well. And you can follow me at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow it follow this show, I'm sorry, on Twitter at Lockdown Tigers. If you have a question for the mailbag segment, you can email them to me LockedOnTigers at gmail.com. And if you want, go to iTunes and leave a positive review. It would be much appreciated in these tumultuous times. So I thank you very much for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.